0: First thing I was gonna do is I was gonna thank Jeff for uh, doing that wonderful reading for us. Thank you so much. It's a tradition that we've had here at Hope for a long time and we're looking to get back to. Um, I was also gonna say thank you to our sound and video technicians. We've got Doug and Bob up there and they're filling in for Paul this morning and uh, I think we threw them a curveball with uh, uh, the transitions on the slides this week but you seem to have found your place and uh, that's fantastic. And thank you both so much for being willing to help us out this morning. Let's pray. God of love, may the words of my mouth. Ma- Marcy was nervous. Newly married and entertaining for the first time, she was painfully aware of how little experience she had with cooking for a crown, but was very determined to make a good impression on her guests, especially her new in-laws. But um, the question was, well, what to make? Marcy racked her brain for hours before finally settling on a roast recipe that she'd grown up with. Her mother had always sworn that it was a never-fail recipe. So Nancy felt it was past time she put that claim to the test. So when the day finally arrived, Marcy sat down with the recipe, and after having given it a good look over, was only confused by one instruction. The recipe called for her to cut off both ends of the roast before putting it in the pan. Not wanting to deviate from the recipe, Marcy dutifully cut off both ends and crossed her fingers. Well, the evening came and went, and it was such a great success that Marcy felt like she owed her mom a thank you. So she gave her a call, because not only did she want to thank her, but because she, uh, she was also kind of curious about uh, why the recipe asked her to cut off both ends of the roast. Because she didn't quite understand why that helped. But um, when she called her mom, the answer she got was a real surprise, because her mom said that she had no idea Why either? That that's just the way the recipe was written down when she'd copied it from her mother's cookbook. Well, now Marcy was more curious than ever, so she decided to give Grandma a call to see if she could shed some light on the mystery of the cut-off ends. But when she broached the subject, her grandmother just burst into a fit of hysterical laughter. More than a little put out by this, Marcy demanded to know what was so darn funny— Barely able to suppress her giggling, her grandmother eventually replied, I cut off the ends of the roast because my pan is small and otherwise it wouldn't fit. As I'm sure you can tell that I I enjoy sharing that story. Uh, Not only is it funny, but I think it beautifully captures just how fast something that is really practical or deeply meaningful becomes tradition and can be repeated over and over again without any real understanding as to why it was done in the first place. And as we enter into the season of Advent, a season with many symbols and traditions, quite a few of which go back hundreds of years at least, I thought it might be fun to explore a few of them in an effort to make the holiday season just a little more special. And because we've been going really hard into the Old Testament recently, so I thought we needed to lighten up a bit. So why don't we start with the symbol that's front and center for us this morning, the Advent wreath. Now, the use of wreaths and candles is a tradition that dates back hundreds of years to the pre-Christian peoples of Germany and Scandinavia. In Germany, a wreath decorated with lit candles was used as a symbol of hope for the return of spring during the long, cold, dark days of December. While in Scandinavia, a wheel was used in place of a wreath, and prayers were offered to the God of Light to turn the wheel of the earth back towards the sun to lengthen the days and restore the warmth. Now, I'd like to tell you a bit more about all that, but We don't know that much more about these ancient practices other than that they were eventually co-opted by German Christians at some point during the Middle Ages and entered common practice amongst Lutherans and Catholics sometime around the 16th century. Despite these ancient roots, it would take another 300 years before our advent wreath would begin to take shape. The modern Advent wreath finds its origins with a German Protestant pastor named Johann Heinrich Wichern, a pioneer in urban mission work among the poor. During Advent, the children at the mission he founded, uh, Rahus Haus, uh, would ask him daily if it was Christmas yet. So in 1839, Wichern built a large wooden ring out of an old cartwheel. And ringed it with 20 small red candles and four large white ones. Every weekday and Saturday Vickern would light one of the small red candles and every Sunday he'd light one of the tall white ones. That way the children could count down with them the days until Christmas. So yes, our modern advent wreath began as an object lesson designed by a harried youth minister in an effort to get his children to stop pestering him about when was Christmas. But his innovation proved to be so popular that the wreath caught on with all the other Protestants in Germany and was eventually simplified to the four or five candles that we use today. Uh, About 100 years later, the innovation made the leap to the Catholic Church, and around 1930 made the transition to North America as it gained in popularity amongst Protestant denominations. So for those of you who are keeping track, that makes some of Hope's founding members older than our tradition of using an Advent wreath. In fact, some of our oldest members might even remember a time when we didn't have an Advent wreath. So, while the tradition itself has ancient roots, it's a relatively recent addition to our Christmas celebrations. Uh, But this tradition comes with some really incredibly deep symbolism. So, let's start with the wreath itself. Uh, The wreath is always made from some kind of evergreen each of which comes with its own special meaning. Uh, The use of laurel signifies victory over persecution and suffering. Pines, holly, and yew, immortality. And cedar, strength and healing. Holly in particular, like our Christmas wreath here, carries the extra special meaning as its prickly leaves remind us also of the crown of thorns. Now, the circle of the wreath which has no beginning or end, like all circles do, symbolizes the eternity of God, the immortality of the soul, and the everlasting life found in Christ. While any pine cones, nuts, or berries we use to decorate it are meant to remind us of the resurrection, as each of them is a seed pod whose contents, when buried in the earth, result in new life come the spring. So when taken all together, the wreath depicts the immortality of the soul and the new, everlasting life that was promised to us through the gift of Jesus Christ. But that's just the wreath. As you can see, we've got five candles up here yet to cover. Well, the reason for the number four is that there are four Sundays in Advent, and there are four Sundays in Advent because it's been the tradition for a long time in the church that there are 4,000 years between the creation of Adam and Eve and the birth of Christ. Now, while any good student of history will tell you that the church's chronology is a little problematic, the symbolism of the number four remains and is a potent reminder of all the struggles that we faced along the road to that very first Christmas. So, now we've arrived at the number four. But why are the candles always colored pink, purple, or blue? Well, the most traditional color for the four candles is purple, uh, because purple has long been the liturgical color used by the church to symbolize penance. And for a lot of history, Advent, like Lent, was considered to be a penitential season. But Over the years, as Advent has become an increasingly more celebratory time, the color blue has gained in popularity as its liturgical color used to symbolize hope and waiting, both important themes in the Advent season. But um, that doesn't account for why that third candle there is pink. Uh, Pink is used for the candle that marks the third Sunday of Advent for a couple of reasons. The first reason why is that priests traditionally wore rose vestments to celebrate that Sunday. And they were celebrating because the third Sunday of Advent is the midpoint between the beginning of Advent and Christmas. So that Sunday, the wait is half over. Thanks be to God. But we're not quite there yet. There's still one more layer of meaning attached to those candles. The candles represent, in the order that they are lit, hope, peace, and it says we've got these backwards, and it says joy and love, and uh, and it says that's probably the meanings that you're most familiar with, um, which leads us to our fifth and final candle, the Christ candle which is lit on Christmas Day to symbolize the light of Christ coming into our world to push back the darkness both now and forever. And as white has long been the color associated with purity and holiness, Christ's candle really couldn't be any other color. So, there's your advent wreath for you folks, unwrapped for you like a Christmas present on uh, Christmas morning, And like any good present, I hope you've enjoyed unwrapping it and can appreciate the gift of this potent symbol of our faith for the wonder it truly is. Thanks be to God. Amen.